Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5, as we've been seeing, um, Amos is a prophet God raised up with a pretty strong message to the children of Israel. And I'll, I'll begin reading in verse 1 and read down through verse 6. <clears throat> Amos 5. Hear this word which I take up against you, a lamentation, O house of Israel. The virgin of Israel has fallen. She will rise no more. She lies forsaken on her land. There is no one to raise her up. For thus says the Lord God, The city that goes out by a thousand shall have a hundred left. And that which goes out by a hundred shall have ten left to the house of Israel. For thus says the Lord to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. But do not seek Bethel, nor enter Gilgal, nor pass over Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into captivity, and Bethel shall come to nothing. Seek the Lord and live, lest he break out like fire in the house of Joseph, and it devour it with no one to quench it in Bethel. So, Amos comes with a, a strong message. And he comes to Israel and he says, here's what's going to happen. Israel is going to be fallen. It will not rise up again in these people's day. He said, a city that has a thousand in it will have a hundred left. A town that has a hundred in it will have ten people left. So, <clears throat> that's devastation. I mean, here we are, and it's easy for us to read this, but a city with a thousand will have one hundred left. So, roughly Sheraton is about four thousand people, okay? So, the judgment that is coming would leave 400 people left here in Sheraton. He said a city of a hundred would have ten people. That is a strong, strong judgment of God. And he then gives them counsel. Now, you think about it. What do you do when tragedy strikes? What do you do when you don't know who to believe or what to believe? What do you do when you fear the whole financial system and financial security is about to collapse? What do you do when you see the hand of God's judgment upon our land. I mean, honestly, 
you, you don't have to think about it much to realize the hand of God's judgment is on our land. It, it dawned on me this last week, somebody said something and got me thinking in this regard. America, there was a day when America was leading the world in missions, in sending forth missionaries. There would, there would hardly be a week that went by that we were not contacted here at the church by missionaries desiring to go out, desiring prayer support and financial support. And, and I can remember getting from various mission agencies uh, their newsletters, and you'd see this group of a hundred or more missionaries at their training that are going out. And now you get the mission candidate classes from these various mission agencies and there's six and there's eight and we seldom receive calls of people going forth. That may not be in your mind related to what's going on in our nation, but God has a great heart for missions. And when a nation is interested and is, is taking an active role in sending forth missionaries, he'll, he'll take care of that nation. But when that is gone, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of it? And, and so, uh, and I'm not going to go into great detail, but you don't have to have much of a pulse to look around and see that, that our nation is in dire circumstances. And in some cases, you look at things and you think, is there any hope? Well, Amos came and he said, okay, here's dire circumstances and this is what you need to do. Verse 4, seek me and live. He didn't say do all these other things. The number one thing that he told these people was to seek the Lord and live. It's interesting, the word that is used here, seek, um, is a pursuit or search of. It is um, specifically to diligently worship, to inquire, to seek after. It's used, as your study book shared with you, it's used more than 30 times in the Bible. And he says, to pursue God in order to know His heart and to know His nature. So, this is a universal counsel that ought to be to us in good times and in bad times. When the judgment of God is coming, what do we do? Do we wring our hands and talk about the good old days? Do we get mad at the politicians do we get mad at the, the different groups, globalists and so on? Amos said, no, seek God. Seek the Lord. 
Man by nature, by creation, is a seeker. Man desires good in their life, um, desires to pursue benefit and blessing, and, and yet we, because of the fall, because of corruption, um, we seek many of the wrong things. And in this passage in Amos that uh, we don't have the time to look at in its entirety, Amos was directed by God to direct to address some of the, the things that they were seeking. And it's still the same things that we seek. We seek ease. We seek significance. We seek money. We seek luxury. We seek peace and joy and power. We seek friendships. We seek understanding, someone to understand us. We seek intimacy. We seek love. We seek these things and we seek them in and of themselves. And all of these, if that is the end purpose of our seeking, all of these end up empty. And a case in point to prove it is the book of Ecclesiastes. Written by Solomon, the man that had all the pleasures you could want, all the riches you could want, all the fame you could want, everything that anyone could ever want, Solomon had it. And he gave a synopsis of it that all of this is vanity. And he concluded, this is the whole duty of man, and he says, to fear God and keep his commandments. Amos says it a little bit differently. He said, it is to seek God. We are born as seekers. C.S. Lewis said, and this is somewhat of a lengthy quote, but I'm sure you've heard part of this, but I believe it, it warrants us reading this today. The Christian says, Creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exist. A baby feels hunger? Well, there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim? Well, there's such a thing as water. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably, earthly treasures were never meant to satisfy, but only to arouse it to suggest and drive us to the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on the one hand never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings and desires, 
never to mistake them for something else of which they are only a kind of copy or mirage, I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of my life to press on to that country and help others do the same. So he's saying, there are desires that we have, but they'll never be met with the things of this life. That doesn't mean life is a bad trick, life is a fraud. That means God's given us desires that only He can meet. And in the book of Amos, he's saying, I'm bringing these judgments on you, and my goal is that it would bring repentance, that it would bring you back to seek me. So, how do we seek God? Verse 1 of Amos 5. Hear this word which I take up against you. Number one, we need to turn our heart to hear God. And and this involves, first of all, being awake spiritually. Being alive spiritually. So, I cannot as an unrepentant, unregenerate person turn my heart toward God because I am spiritually dead. So there must be spiritual life that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. That gives us spiritual life. So I have ears to hear. I have spiritual life. But I now have spiritual life by faith in Jesus Christ. But am I turning my heart to hear the Word of the Lord? To to hear God. To hear, in this case, to hear His rebuke for loving anything else more than we love God. So in order for me to turn my heart toward God as a believer, I need to turn my heart away from the other loves that I have. And to hear His voice, to hear His warning of judgment, to hear His instruction, it is, it is an act of my will that in order to seek God, I need to turn away from what I think I should seek after, what the world thinks I should seek after, and I need to make it my purpose and my goal, as he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's the first and great command. See, all the events in life are there to bring us to Christ. And to bring us not just to Christ to receive Him, but to bring us that, that my heart is turned toward you. 
all of this is vanity. And things happen in life to show us it's all vanity. The account is given of a a very well-to-do individual. This man had everything you could dream of, but he died. And his wish was that he would be buried in his most fancy car and to have some of his trophies and things in the car. And they literally did that. They, they had the car there. He was in it. And, and as the vehicle was lowered into the grave, someone said, Man, that's living. No. That shows the reality that all you have is nothing apart from Christ. That's not living. That's death. And the only way to live, as Amos said, seek God and live. That I must turn away from um, all the temporal things. We sang um, the words, You are eternal. We are a vapor. So, what do you want to seek? Do you want to seek that which is a vapor? Are you chasing after this cloud of fog and trying to to grab it? Or are you chasing after God? And it begins by turning your heart to hear Him. And that involves, secondly, read the Word in order to see God. You cannot seek the Lord and ignore His Word. Don't, don't, don't tell anyone today that you are seeking God and you ignore His Word. If you neglect His Word, if you don't have a hunger and thirst for the Word of God, you are not seeking the Lord. Proverbs chapter 2 talks about seeking the Lord. Turn there if you would. <clears throat> we, I go here often because I, I can't think of a better description of what it is to seek the Lord through the Word of God. <clears throat> my son, number one, if you will receive my words... And treasure my commands within you. So, I'm, I'm going to receive His words, and then I'm going to hide His commands within me. These are, these are jewels. I am going to memorize these. And I am going to incline my ear to wisdom. I'm going to bend my ear to hear things that come from God's perspective. That eliminates a lot of things in our life. I mean, we live in a day-to-day that it is, it is easier for us than any other time in history to bend our ear toward that which is wisdom. There, there are more podcasts available from a biblical perspective that you could be bending your ear toward and listening to 
while you're working, while you're relaxing, whatever it is. But to hear the Word of God is not just to come to church. It is, I have a hunger for this. So I hear wise instruction. Then apply your heart to understanding. Okay, I'm hearing this. But now, what application? I am going to make application in my life. This truth that I've heard, this truth that I've read, what is the application? And it says, you lift up your voice for understanding. God, I need to know you. God, show me yourself as I read this word. I want to see you. This is all part of seeking God. And then he says, you cry out for knowledge and you search for him as for hidden treasure. That you diligently search. We don't have time. We've, we've addressed that before. But we read the word with purpose, with passion, with um, we want to know God. To see him. And that's what. In John 15, he said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you'll know the heart of God. We're not seeking God when we ignore and neglect his word. Thirdly, to seek God means you start looking at every event in life As, okay, God, where are you in this event? What are you teaching me about you? And how do you want to use this in my life? To a believer, there's not secular and sacred. To a believer, all things are holy. And whatever event comes into your life, It isn't just coincidence. God has a purpose for it. Okay, God, what are you showing me about your heart through this event? What are you showing me about your nature? What are you trying to teach me to make me more like you? How are you using this in my life? That is part of seeking God. It's seeing God in every situation in life. And... There is, as I said, there is nothing that God's not a part of. God has a purpose for everything that's going on. We could go through the Bible and list Joseph is a supreme example. Even the wicked. God had a purpose in it and was planning and preparing and showing himself. And and Joseph responded, seeing God... In every event of life. And then, as you commit yourself to seeking God, it's rest in the promise of God. And this is the promise of God. James 4.8 Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. It's said over and over again. Amos said it. Seek God and live. So here I am, I'm, I'm making my goal in life not to seek money, not to seek ease and comfort, and not that, but 
there's nothing wrong with those things, but when that's what we're seeking after, seeking after pleasure, it's I am making my goal to seek God, and as I seek Him, He promised to me that if I draw near to Him, He will draw near to me. He said, seek the Lord and live. Psalm 34, he said, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. What are all your fears? You can attack your fears or you can seek the Lord and He will give you wisdom how to live above and beyond the fears. The psalmist also said in Psalm 34, the young lions do lack and suffer hunger But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. That's a promise. If you seek God, I'll take care of you. Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me and find me. When ye search for me with all your heart. I mean, there's a lot of things that we search for and can't find. This is the most baffling to me. We have some we have some dumbbells at home. I'm not talking about people, okay? Weights that are dumbbells. Well, in the set there's some 10-pound weights, two of them. I mean, they're they're this big, this long, At the end, they're about like this. We are missing one of those dumbbells. We have looked everywhere in our house for it. I mean, how do you throw that away? It weighs 10 pounds. Man, this garbage is heavy today, you know what I mean? I have no idea where it is. And and we... Every time we go down to exercise, it's like, man, where is that dumbbell? I have said that about people before, but um, this is talking about a weight. I, I don't know. And you know what? There is no guarantee that we will ever find it. I know the last place I look, I'll find it. Because you don't look anymore after you found it, right? But God says, if you seek me, you will find me. I don't have that guarantee. It's getting worse around our house. We're always looking for something. But this is a promise God gives. You seek me. Look at that promise. You will find me. But... He puts it on us. We have to seek Him. It's not just sit here at ease. It's not just, God, show yourself to me. It is an effort. We're seekers of your heart. And He says, this is a great promise. If you seek me, you will find me. Matthew 6.33 Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these other things. What are we going to eat? 
Where are we going to live? What are we going to do? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first God and He'll take care of all the other things. Everything hinges on us seeking God with our whole heart. And He gives a great, great promise. You will find Me. You will live. I will meet your need. Anything else that we seek will end up wasted, in vain, and empty. But when you seek God, it's not in vain. And then, seek to introduce others to Christ. If I'm seeking Christ and I find this great treasure, part of seeking God will be sharing God with others. Hey, One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And seeking God is not, oh, I've got this all to myself and it's me and mine. And no, seeking God is seeking to introduce others to Christ. This is the very heart of God. Reconciliation of man to God through Jesus Christ. So, let me just quickly make some application. Number one, do you have spiritual life? Are you truly born again? Has there been a time that you personally turned from sin and called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness for the forgiveness of sin? Secondly, what are evidences in your life that you are truly seeking God. Just just coming to church isn't an evidence that you're truly seeking God. How is your time spent? Who do you like spending time with? Do you like spending time hearing truth and 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 growing in the Lord? What are evidences that you're seeking God? How is your money spent? Does it control you or do you control it? How are your thoughts directed? Are your thoughts directed towards seeking God? Toward God? Are your thoughts directed at when you see here we're coming into springtime, things are going to be bursting into life. And do we just say, oh, beautiful day, or do we see the God behind the beautiful day? Your thoughts, do you think about God, or are your thoughts primarily about yourself? I've got to do this, and no one appreciates this, and why do I have to do this? What are evidences that you are truly seeking God? And then we have to understand Our opportunity to seek the Lord is limited. There's not always an opportunity to seek the Lord. We can think, well, I've got things I want to do and and then I'm going to seek the Lord. We're not guaranteed of that. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while he is near. What he's insinuating here is 
you may not always be able to call upon Him, and you better seek Him now because the day may come when you cannot, and the day will come when you cannot seek Him. And then the last question, honestly, who are you seeking to introduce to Christ? Who is there in your life because of you seeking God and finding He truly satisfies, and He alone does satisfy. And that that satisfaction is something that you want to share with others. But the main question I want to ask you, what are evidences in your life that you are seeking Christ with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength? He said, things are going on. Man, what should we do? Should we invest in hard assets? Should we store up? Should we do this? No, seek God. First and foremost, seek God. And then He'll take care of all these other things. But are you seeking Him? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would personalize in our lives the ministry of your Spirit right now and show us, number one, whether we're a child of yours or not. And I pray if there are individuals listening today that that never truly have turned from their sin to you, that today they would call upon you. And then, Lord, I pray for every believer... I pray that you would show us how to seek you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Lord, we're so prone to seek other things. And I pray that through the power of your Spirit, we would seek you. And then to know the joy, the satisfaction that comes through fellowship with You, through pursuing and seeking You, and resting in the promise. You said, if we seek You, we will live. If we draw near to You, You will draw near to us. Lord, what an amazing concept that we can even, by faith in Christ, draw near to You. We are humbled by it, and yet, Lord, in shame we say, we are easily prone to seek after other things that cannot compare to You. So, Lord, purify us, purify our love for You, and may we love You with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I pray in Jesus' name, Amen.